From beach towels to tea towels and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Talking about issues and coming up with solutions. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. And welcome to the program. We're going to be doing something very, very nice today. A couple of people who normally I would keep separate because they're in separate political parties, one with me at the UAP, the other one with Pauline, with One Nation. I'm, of course, talking about Craig Kelly and Malcolm Roberts, and I may be speaking to them both at the same time today. It might be a bit of a surprise of one to the other, so we'll uh, spring that on them at the last minute, but I think it'll be a bunch of fun and something that will be certainly very well received across the board. Uh, A big thank you to Chris Smith, who'll be joining us again tomorrow at the regular time, and Gemma Cooper will be joining us uh, imminently. Of course, Tony Nikolic is someone who I've spoken to several times from AFL solicitors. Lots to uh, chat with him about, airline mandates, a bunch of... uh, a political, ca- sorry, not political, a bunch of uh, civil cases that he's got going as a result of COVID at the moment. Of course, crime rates uh, are up following the last years of the COVID policy. And uh, we'll be talking to him about that. And of course, emergency service workers out of work. And if you want help with that, he's the guy you talk to. He's the guy who will absolutely have your back and get a very, very good outcome for you every time. Where do we start today? There's a woman, some people know her as Victoria Newland. She's the US State Department. Uh, she's a bit of a fixture there, if you will, uh, the Secretary of the uh, State for Political Affairs. Well, we know her as Regime Change Karen. She is a bit of a Karen. Check out her photo if you get a chance. It looks like a bit of a Karen. You can kind of pick them, can't you? You really can pick these Karens from a mile off. Uh, but this particular one, well, she must have woke up one day and uh, forgot to bite her tongue, forget to play the game where we all know what she's up to. But of course, you can't admit it. You can't verbalize that. Why would you do that? But she did. She absolutely did. She came out and to cut a long story short, basically said, um, well, and it's the real reason they're over in the Ukraine. She kind of let that cat out of the bag that it's not quite the Russia that we wanted. So how? absolutely arrogant is the United States to have these people suggesting that A, they can change a a China or a Russia. These countries are well beyond their control these days. They might be able to uh, limit North Korea, anyone where they don't, anywhere they don't have one of their puppets in play is somewhere where the CIA goes to work, their media goes to work. They try and introduce democracy to their country, their flavour of democracy. There's only two flavours, and of course they both come from the same Tupperware container. And uh, it's just absolutely frightening that this particular uh, Karen, and I do, I just can't believe that she came out and said it. We all knew it, but she's let the cat out of the bag. So there they are trying to control the regime over in, uh, in Russia. They don't like Putin. They were hoping it was going to go a different way. And the things that they do, to accomplish these goals. Putin's former KGB, he plays that game way better than they do, and he plays it for the right reasons. He plays the long game. He plays it because he has his people, his country, and their history in mind and in in his heart, whereas the creeps that we've got acting for our politicians and certainly against, not for for us, um, uh, are just people doing it for the money, I would guess, or the prestige or some promise or possibly being blackmailed. 
I've got no idea. I do know that if you're in Russia, you'd be very happy with your leader, somebody who advocates for you, for your people, for your kids, and uh, trying to ensure that you have a, a country that resembles that which you grew up in for those uh, people who come after you. Very, very unlike what goes on here. But uh, yeah, regime change, Karen, Victoria um, Newland, um, you're absolutely not going to you're not going to get what you want. I'll tell you what, though, the harder they push, this thing could escalate. I mean, we were talking to Russell, Texas, Bentley a couple of days ago, and, uh, you know, these 90,000 peacekeepers they're going to try and bring into the Ukraine to free up an additional, and I would suggest their last 90,000 patriots, if you will, and force them to go out with the, uh, you know, a, a, another tens of billions of dollars of aid from the EU, from America. And these people, they're all going to meet their maker. It's very sad. Young people, many of them probably not wanting to fight. Uh, they're literally conscripting them. You can't even get, if you're an adult um, uh, fighting age male over in the Ukraine and you need some urgent medical assistance and you're not prepared to fight for the country, despite the fact you may be in no state to fight because you need said medical treatment, um, then you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. You're being blackmailed. They're dragging fathers and sons off the street, putting them in the vans and driving them out and dumping them on the front line. But regime change, NATO encroachment, and of course, a bunch of assets, a very asset-rich um, country. That and of course, our usual suspects all already have a part of that or want a piece of it or have been uh, promised a piece of it. And it's coming, but uh, they're going to push this man, Putin, way too far and they're going to regret it. And if they don't think that the BRICS thing is a real thing, if they don't think that, that countries like India and China and Brazil are going to have their back if this escalates, they've got another thing coming. And again, um, these are people who are fighting for all the right reasons and for countries who um, they, they have a lot of nationalists. Could you imagine having a world war and asking many of our young people to go and fight for this country, not only would they be fighting for all the wrong reasons, and many of them would know that and refuse on that basis, but the ones who just have no clue, well, you're not going to get them away from their, their video games. You're not going to get them away from their Xbox or their PlayStation. They're certainly not going to do any of that for real and certainly not for any uh, reason that you could give them, unless, of course, you told them that Big Bad Vlad is going to take their, their gaming console off them. That would be the only way you'd probably manage to get that happening. But absolutely horrific what's going on there. And just very quickly, the EU is telling people to cut back on their gas. They're already using 15% less. They'd like that to be about 18%. It's not mandatory at the moment, but guess what? They've said if you don't continue to keep using less gas, they're going to make it mandatory. So they've got that up their sleeve. And uh, of course, they're spinning it in a positive way, saying that it's benefiting from the competitiveness, uh, you know, and it's doing wonders for the EU economy. And they've said an added benefit of pushing this is the EU is getting closer to net zero carbon emissions. No, that might be because your mates, your mates, Biden and all his mates in the CIA went and blew up the Nord Stream pipelines. And for those thinking, well, well, fair enough, they can't get any gas. They've got to do what they have to do. No, because anyone who watched that particular interview between Tucker Carlson uh, and Vladimir Putin the other day know that they do have alternate pipelines going into the EU, Germany doing it especially hard, and they can just turn the tap on. They can get that gas and not have to cut back whenever they want. And these sanctions that they thought where they would punish 
<laughs> where they thought they would punish Russia. It has just made a much stronger, more resilient Russia. They're, they're going gangbusters. They've even taken over McDonald's and have non-GMO foods now. If I want to go to McDonald's, the only place I'm going it uh, to buy it is over in Russia. You might want to do the same. Now, are you enjoying listening to TNT? Do you think that we're doing a good job. Well, if we are, then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter, so you can help us to get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here at TNT. Talk that matters. For once, we just need to do what's best for this damn country and not what's best for the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And it is at this time that we welcome to the program the wonderful Gemma Cooper. Gemma, I know you're no longer part of the EU, but being so close to it, are they getting you over in the UK to cut back on your gas? Uh, well, I mean, we've all been cutting back on our gas because the cost of living here in manufactured or real, you know, the, the, the extortionate prices uh, that the energy price cap was set at means that pretty much the whole country froze last year in the winter uh, and this year as well. I mean, it's been announced that the price cap is going to be changing from April, um, which would bring bills down a little bit. But, you know, people have been so squeezed when it comes to energy. And of course, the magic word, oh, it's all because of Ukraine, has been banded around as an excuse, you know, why you, sh you and your family should be absolutely freezing in two successive winters uh, people are you know quietly uh, pleased that the price cap's coming down but then they're going to they're going to also the energy companies put a standing charge to recover the so-called debt that they've lost because no one can afford to pay their bills yet they're all raking in record profits which has been an absolute scandal that's been revealed over the last few days you know tenfold on on 2023 so it, it is it's an absolute scam the whole thing uh, all wrapped up in you know the war the war yeah, I can't believe that there are still people that are buying it. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, the fact that they would have us believe that they're punishing Russia, pretty much like what they did to South Africa decades ago, and um, they didn't succumb, they're not going to succumb. They've become much stronger, more, as I said before, more resilient. And so that, I mean, every narrative that they've had is now not only blatantly obvious that it's a lie, but the fact that we can get people like Tucker Carlson to go and talk directly to Putin, stream it via the internet, because they, they can't control just yet the fact that he could do that. But of course, if it wasn't for the internet, we never would have seen an interview like that. We'd still be like we were back in the 80s in the in the Cold War. We would swallow hook, line and sinker everything they have. I don't think we're living in that world anymore. And the governments uh, around the world, the globalist controlled governments, they need to learn that and they need to learn that real quick. I think that's exactly what is what's happening. I think they do know absolutely that that, that the control has gone. Narrative shaping and and curating is gone. It's it's a kind of firefighting exercise now, um, and and a kind of damage limitation when somebody like Tucker Carlson, you know, and you have to kind of ask the questions: how much of that it was it was staged and and stage managed? I mean, a lot of it was actually stage managed. It's quite obvious to tell. But Putin used it as an opportunity to 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 PR himself. Who wouldn't? Um, but yeah, those days, as you rightly say, Dean, are, are completely gone. We're living in new uncharted waters and unchart uncharted territory. Sometimes, though, when I hear hear you talk and other TNT hosts talk about the state of the world and the kind of massive and huge uh, divisions that appear to be on the surface created, you know, East, West, the Middle East conflict, which is becoming increasingly polarizing here in the UK in terms of, you know, now MP safety and all kinds of things that that is leading to. You know, how much of it is uh, real? 
how much of it is uh, created by the globalists to keep us all in this ever present state of tension and war, which, you know, as George Orwell said, the war is never meant to end. It's always meant to be continuous. It's what keeps all economies around the world uh, growing. And how much of it is goes what goes on behind the scenes is all the globalists together rubbing their hands in glee, going, look at this, you know, the division that we're creating. Because every day the headlines are more division, more division. You know, we're talking about NATO troops going to Ukraine and, that, and now NATO saying absolutely not, the UK included. And every day is all this kind of mass hysteria. I just wonder what would happen if we all just dropped that just for a day and just said, you know what, we're just all going to get along. Let's all go over to Russia, see what it's really like. Let's all open our doors to each other. Let's stop with this polarization and this kind of like, where do you stand on this and where do you stand on that? That's my thought for the day. You know me on a Wednesday, Dean. I do go a little bit weird and philosophical, <laughs> but I have I have got a news story for you and it's very relevant to what you've just been talking about. Well, just quickly, I mean, I think it's terrific when people do just get up and go visit a country that they've been lied to about. And I always come back to that documentary that those two young Sydney University guys did. And they, they were left wing, you know, and there they were, they went over to North Korea to disprove everything that was said with a little mini documentary. It did very well. And uh, it was it's called The Haircut, if anyone wants to check it out. And they just dispelled and disproved everything that they'd been saying. And it's that easy. Get a passport, get on a plane, go over and see for yourself and tell your friends. And if they don't believe you, tell them to go over and check it out too. Jim, what have you got to go um, for us today? Well, I mean, as as Matt Boyland uh, was talking about in the news headlines, you know, the, the, the kind of UK troops and NATO troops being deployed to Ukraine, which was, you know, kind of a bit of a hysteria yesterday. Most NATO countries have said absolutely not, despite what Macron wants, we're not going to do that. And the UK is one of them. But interestingly, at a time when these so-called tensions are being heightened, we're heading for a budget next week. And the Defence Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, has caused a huge storm this morning here in the UK by announcing, even though our military is on its knees, even though we're facing the worst recruitment and retention crisis ever in the history of the British Army and Navy and Royal Air Force. Um, he has no plans whatsoever in the budget next week to increase defence spending. Now, this is quite extraordinary thinking that, yes, you know, 24 hours ago, we're talking about possibly deploying troops to Ukraine. We haven't got any troops to send. So you would have thought this would be a vote winner. Uh, but no, he said he's absolutely not going to put any more money into our armed forces. Unsurprisingly, former military chiefs and defence leaders have called the decision absolute lunacy that's coming from one former military general uh, another saying it's a hollowed out military it was not match fit at all for any type of conflict that could come in the next few years without significant spending jeremy hunt says he's given the army uh, 11 billion over five years to the ministry of defense but uh, much of that's already been allocated for specific projects including one to replace yet more equipment in ukraine but very tellingly a former army commander has said Tragically, in the UK now, no political party sees defence spending as a vote winner. However, Putin does. I thought that was very telling. He said uh, also the threats to the UK have never been greater. And he says then, I fought in the Gulf War 34 years ago. The army at that point was three times the size it is now. We had 500 tanks in any conflict now. If we went to war, not just with Russia, but with anyone, we would struggle to find 50. That's the state of the British forces. Um, apparently, we spend 2% of our GDP on defence. Hunt was campaigning to be party leader just a couple of years ago. And he said in his manifesto, if I'm prime minister, I would increase defence spending to 3%. Uh, it, you would have thought he would do this now in the budget, but no, apparently not. And we are now falling rapidly behind the league table of other NATO countries when it comes to the amount that we spend on our armed forces. So yes, strange that. You would have thought that all this talk about conscription and war, which has been banded about in the UK for the last few weeks, would you know, mean he threw billions at it. 
But no, and I, I wonder if it, the behind closed doors they know something we don't. Whether the threat of war is really real, because if it was, you'd boost your spending on your armed forces, or whether it's all just hyperbole and headlines. Who knows? Well, it's all very interesting, Gemma, but at the end of the day, if there is going to be any large wars, you can pretty much bet it'll be a Western nation, usually of late, that kicks it off. You know, I used to think we were the good guys, and I'm not really of that belief these days. I think we, the people of the UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, I think we're the good guys. I think our governments have been massively corrupted, and um, again, they would happily send us to war to fight their war, you know, for, you know, for their interests. But... Let's hope we wake up. Let's hope we join together. Let's hope we stand up and learn. Gemma Cooper, thank you for your time again today. You'll be joining us tomorrow here and Sonia Poulton uh, in about an hour's time. Thank you, Dean. Thank you, Gemma. And coming up after the break, we're going to be talking to Craig Kelly and Senator Malcolm Roberts here at TNT. TNT's Jeremy Now, a gentleman in the UK who um, was falsely accused of rape and he spent four years behind bars. Now, John, this is a... This is a tricky situation. You're oh, talking yeah. about a very, a very serious crime here. The problem is, is that the establishment sides with women, which is why he ended up in jail. Yeah. But he, he didn't rape her. So I've got a question for you. What should happen to those women? Yeah, I, I felt very, very strongly, Jeremy, because I, and this is why one reason why I quit the teaching profession. I had 20 years as a school teacher. Um, when this girl accused me, it, it was all vindictive. It was uh, kind of get you back for, for you know putting her in a place kind of thing. She couldn't accept discipline. Um, the retaliation it cost me a year without pay as a school teacher. I, I was on you know unemployed and effectively lost. I lost my career in the community. I had to move to a different part of the country. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk TNT. In a democracy, the majority vote rules. But in most democracies, you can only vote for change every three or four years. To understand what people want, governments and political parties use focus groups. These focus groups can include as little as 20 people. Australia is a country of over 25 million people. Does making decisions based on 20 people sound fair to you? Have your say. Be heard in between elections. Download the 4MySay app now. That is number four, my say. The human mind is like a computer. No matter how efficient it may be, its reliability is only as great as the information fed into it. That's a campaign promise. Tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. We mandate that the truth be told. You're hearing it. TNT. And welcome back to the program. Now, you all know who my favourite two politicians have been in Australia over the last five to ten years, and it has never been really appropriate that I have them on at the same time, because even though their ships were sailing in the same direction, they were with different parties and whatnot, and things have changed. Things have changed. I am, of course, talking about Craig Kelly and Senator Malcolm Roberts, two people who I like to call friends and who are definitely friends of not just Australia, but the world and the work that they've done over the last four years has literally saved lives. There are people currently listening to watching this broadcast who I would say would probably not be here had it not been for the tireless and relentless work of these two fellows. Guys, welcome to the program. Thank you very right. much, Dean. Always good to be with you. Yeah, no, right. great to be with you and great to uh, great to see you down there, Malcolm. Sort of thing. I was just saying before that uh, we knew each other before we got into Parliament. Yes. Uh, both got into Parliament. We were both fighting uh, the madness of the climate change issues then, and here we are probably, what, 15, 16 years, 17 years later, and we're doing the same thing and about to team up, which is, I think, just fantastic. I, I, I'm absolutely thrilled about this uh, new role I'm taking on. Now, I'll yeah, tell you thank what. you very much, Craig. Same here, mate. 
Hey guys, talk about a leaky, a leaky boat. I was talking to my, my producer. He said, "Look, I'll tell you something." In in confidence, a couple of days ago, and he told me, and I had a smirk on my face because I'd, I'd heard it from four different people over the over the weekend. But I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Craig Kelly, can you please tell everybody what your new role is going to be, and of course where it will be? Not that they don't already know. I'll, sure. I'll, let, I'll let you tell well, the story. I've, I've um, taken on a new role as uh, national director of the Paul and Hanson's One Nation Party. Uh, so my job is to uh, get the get the party uh, in good shape to fight the next election. We want to be fighting in all, whether it's 150 or 151 seats, depending upon the, the redistributions that are coming up, uh, to fight in every single one of those seats to get a good local candidate, to get them on the ground, get them on the ground early, and get them out fighting. And we're going to give the people of Australia at this next election a real alternative to the Liberal and Labor duopoly that have, you know, that have been running the show for the last X number of years. Now, look, our, our policies, if you look at the policies, especially we're talking about on net zero, Liberal and Labor, both the same. So if you want if you want to you know, build wind turbines and solar panels and import them from China all over the country and watch your electricity prices go up, our industry move offshore, keep voting for the Labor and Liberal Party or the Greens or the Nationals because they're exactly the same. But at One Nation, we're going to have an alternate policy. We're going to say net zero is a nonsense. We're going to call it out and we're going to expose it with the science. I, I can't wait to see you two guys working together, uh, especially with Pauline in hand as well. It's just going to be an absolute force to be reckoned with. And I mean, it's like it's like getting your ultimate band together going and you two fellows um, together is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, a lot of people have been wanting this for a, a long, long time. Um, I'd like to say it's been a long time coming. Um, when did this all come about, if you don't mind me asking, because people are going to ask. It's happened over the, um, uh, the last couple of weeks, but the reality is that uh, you know, of the minor parties, if we're running, if you're running multiple minor parties uh, in the Australian electoral system, remember, especially in the Senate. Now, it might be different in the the lower house of some or the upper house of some of the states, but federally, uh, the spot that is there for the taking is the sixth Senate spot in every single state. And if you're running multiple uh, minor parties, it divides the vote. The preferential system it says it's it's an optional preferential system. The preferences don't flow, and you end up getting nowhere. So, you know, this is why I decided to come along to, uh, to One Nation. To, the target is to make sure that we can get a Senate up in every single state at the next election. Plus, we can be highly, highly competitive in many of the lower house seats as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be terrific. Uh, One Nation fielded some absolutely wonderful candidates, as um, you know, we we know very well. And when we were out campaigning for the UAP, many of those people became our very dear friends. We didn't feel like we were going, we were up against them. We felt like we were quite happy for if the other one got in. Um, one of those people, uh, Martin Stevenson, is a terrific fellow up on the Central Coast who ran in Dobell against me, and he's having these regular meetings already. Just a terrific fellow, and. Uh, he invited me to come down and speak on Monday down at Gosford with uh, Tanya Mihalik. And um, they're getting these, you know, wonderful people all ready for the next election, federally or state, you know, whatever it comes up to. But they're just doing wonderful work and a little bit of the teal movement coming in there, getting these people ready early. And I think it's 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 very good. Uh, Senator Malcolm Roberts, uh, when I spoke to you last week and whenever I mentioned Craig Kelly to Senator Malcolm Roberts, he always speaks so very, very highly of you. But last week, my spidey senses went off. I kid you not, because it was extra glowing. I could just I, I sensed it. I felt it. I didn't know this was happening, but I absolutely felt it when you uh, spoke of Craig Kelly last week. I'll give it to you, uh, Senator Malcolm Roberts. Well, the similarities between Craig Kelly and Pauline Hanson are just so, so strong. 
both of them are totally honest, totally honest. Uh, the second thing is the reason that the reason they're totally honest is because they both rely on data. Da Craig is a data's man, data man, and Pauline is similarly. She always says to us, "Where's your data to back it up?" And she knows that I'm a data man. That that way, a lot of the issues, you know, we haven't fallen for the 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 bullshit. We haven't fallen for the hype. We haven't fallen for the fashion. We haven't fallen for the weakness. We've all three of us got the guts to stand up and take a strong stance. And so the third thing about Craig is that he's highly competent, just like Pauline. Um, he's a very practical man. He's worked in, in industry. He's run his own company. He knows that every cent counts to keep people in their work. And, and he knows that energy is one of the most important things. Well, Craig is in manufacturing. Energy is the most important thing in manufacturing right now. It used to be labor, but labor costs have come come down because of mechanization and automation. And number one cost in manufacturing, and Craig can correct me if I'm wrong, is electricity. And so if you're raising electricity prices artificially, Dean, you're wrecking the country, you're wrecking your own business. And so Craig knows that we have to get electricity back to being the cheapest in the world, not the most expensive in the world. Mate, ab absolutely. Um, Craig, will you be spending uh, uh, any particular amount of time up in Queensland over the next few months? Look, um, I'll, I'll be travelling around Australia. I'll spend uh, Queensland is probably uh, you know one nation's strongest state. Uh, they've got a good team up there, um, so it's probably the other states I'll be spending a little bit more time on to. But uh, you know, I really look forward to you know, doing everything I can to make sure that Malcolm gets re-elected at the next uh, the next election. Uh, he's up again. Uh, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a tough challenge. Um, you know, but we just want to make sure that uh, everyone understands. Uh, forget these multiple parties and running preferences, but one uh, in both upper house and lower house for one nation um, in all across all the states. That's the, what we want to work on. And just where Malcolm was talking about before there on energy, remember, uh, we used to have the lowest energy costs in the world and that enabled industry to start up you know, no matter what you were doing, if you needed to, every, every business uh, that makes things or transforms things needs heat and energy to do so. And we used to have those lowest costs in the world, and that gave our nation a competitive advantage. That allowed us to pay high wages for people. And we have surrendered that with this absolute net zero nonsense. And what we are doing at the moment, we are simply exporting wealth out of this country over to the communist Chinese. Every single thing with net zero, I says it is a, a wealth transfer. It is a, it stands a political economic and military advantage to the communist Chinese. And yet we have the Labor Party. And the one that I can't believe is the Nationals. For the National Party to go along and say that we agree with net zero when it affects agriculture, and it basically means you've got to decimate your agricultural herds, if your beef herds and your dairy herds, is just astonishing. It just shows how weak the National Party are, how anyone can support them that lives in the bushes has got me beat. So we are going to make sure there's a very clear distinction that people have got a real choice coming up at the next election. And, of course, as you suggested, I mean, all the parties slipping off to the left, but, uh, you know, Pauline Hanson's One Nation has been constant. Their policies, everything that they've advocated for, they haven't changed their views. They've been absolutely spot on time and time again, and it's terrific to see you two fellas uh, will be working together. we got to do some news headlines, but we'll be back with Craig Kelly and Senator Malcolm Roberts right here at TNT after this. And now... Dude, I have huge news. I knew it. Knew it. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. 
NATO countries have rejected comments made by French President Emmanuel Macron suggesting Western troops could be deployed to Ukraine. President Biden has made clear that uh, he will not send US soldiers to fight in Ukraine. Tucker Carlson's accused the US government of spying on him during his high-profile trip to Russia. And Japan's facing an existential crisis with alarming new data showing the country has just six years left to reverse its declining population. On air and on the app. I listen on the app. Stay up to date around the clock. I listen, therefore I know. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And welcome back to the program. Uh, we've got Craig Kelly and Senator Malcolm Roberts with it. The Dream Team, together with Pauline Hanson, all together. Finally, at last, I hear many of you asking and a bunch of people absolutely ecstatic in the online chat, absolutely over the moon. Uh, the cat's out of the bag, but I, I would just suggest that there are people all over Australia who will be rejoicing at this. And of course, you know, that one party, that unified party with our top politicians all together in one place and not having to split the vote uh, federally, you know, or at a state level ever again. Guys, what would you two like to talk about? I'd like to mention the... Um I'll just, just, just jump in, build on one of the points Craig raised. Last federal election, One Nation came seventh, came, came um, fifth in Senate in, in, the, in Queensland, so that meant Pauline was elected because it's the, it's the top six that get, in, get into the Senate. So we came fifth in, in Queensland. We came seventh in most of the other seats, Western Australia, South Australia, Victoria, just missed out in Victoria just missed out in Western Australia, and we came uh, seventh in New South Wales as well. So with just a very, very small increase in vote, we could have had another four senators, which would have given us six. More important, just as importantly, rather, was the fact that the Liberals conspired against us in South Australia. I mean, we're a conservative party. In Tassie, they put Jackie Lambie uh, on preferences, didn't even put us in there. In some places in the lower house, they put the Labor Party ahead of One Nation. And they're supposed to be a conservative uh, voice, the Liberals. In Western Australia, because of the sloppy preferences uh, recommended by the Liberal How to Vote card, a Labor senator got in as the sixth senator from WA. Now, if we'd had, and we just missed out, so if we'd had better preferences organised by the Liberals, if they'd been really conservative, then they would have, uh, we would have had another four senators and Labor Party would have had at least two less so right now, this country is going to the dogs because, as Craig knows, it's run in the Senate by a coalition of Labor, Greens and Teal Pocock. That's what they and they conspire the, the three different groups there. They conspire to hide documents, to hide what's going on, to cut debate, to guillotine debate and, and to just ram bills through. And they do that to look after themselves as well as as well as each other. And that's what's driving this country to ruin. Now, if we had another four senators, we would have had the balance of power. And we that doesn't give us the power to run the country, but it gives us the power to stop the rat bag stuff that's going on. And that's so important. So it doesn't give us enormous power. It gives us power to stop the bullshit. Yeah, Craig Kelly. It's funny, that's that's actually um, what I, from my time in Canberra, it's actually governments getting involved in stuff and stuffing stuff up. Yep. That's the main problem. The idea, oh, you need government to do all these wonderful things. You need government to get out of the bloody way. Yep. And let the entrepreneurs of this country and, and the creators and the wealth creators of the country, let them get on with their work rather than having government interfering all the time. So that's why it's so important in the Senate. You can stop this nonsense that is going on. You can stop them putting in all these ridiculous plans. Now, look at what the, the Labor Party are doing on uh, cars, where they're changing the tax arrangements, all under the auspices of net zero. 
where they're making the average four family four-wheel drive and ute that a tradie has to get around it, they're making those going up higher in price, but bringing down the price of you know, Teslas for the inner city greens. Uh, it's a cost of living increase. It is just madness. Now, that's the sort of thing, if you've got the balance of power in the Senate, you can stop. And we will be highlighting this very strongly at the next election, how Labor is selling out the working class of this country, selling out the workers, and giving all these advantages to the inner city greens and inner city teals. But the idea that Albanese is concerned about the cost of living and is bringing in a new tax on cars that will make Australia's most popular cars thousands of dollars more expensive just shows the guy just hasn't got a clue and he's just he's just lying to the Australian people. Well, I'd add, add to that. You know, I've said many, many times, Craig, as you know, uh, and Dean, every major problem in our country comes out of the building I'm sitting in right now, Parliament House, Canberra, every major one. You look at the housing crisis. We've got people sleeping in tents, caravans, under bridges in some of our regional cities and in our capital city in Queensland, mm -hmm. on the banks of the Brisbane River in tents, on showgrounds at, and raceways at Willowbank near Ipswich, Logan, Beanley, Bow Desert, people sleeping in, 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 in the open. Um, and why? Because housing is so expensive and housing can't keep up with demand. And why? because immigration is out of control. We have now got 2.3 million people on, on uh, non-resident visas who are working in this country. Everyone wants a bed. Every one of those 2.3 million wants a roof over their head. And that's driven up the cost of housing. But worse than that, the immigration is, is at record levels. It's double and heading for triple what the, the previous government did. And that was, that was very high. And what's that? what that's doing, and they're doing it because they want to cover up the fact that there's a per capita recession. We are in recession right now, per capita. So the way to get out of that is to bump up immigration so you bump up your GDP and make sure you sneak over the line so you're not technically in a recession. The cost of living, as Craig mentioned, all artificial. We can sell our coal, our gas to China, Japan, Korea, and we can't use it here. And that's, that's the secret to having the cheapest coal and the cheapest electricity in the world. And then you talk about Labor being the par party of the workers. That's complete rubbish now. We've mm -hmm. been pushing for, for workers in central Queensland, Hunter Valley, who are being paid up to $40,000 below the award rate. $40,000 per year each, not in total, per year each. And, and we can't get any traction with the Labor Party. They just cover it up. Why? Because the union bosses make massive donations to the, to the, to the Labor Party. That's what, so Labor is no longer the Workers' Party. It's driving high cost of living. It's destroying uh, housing. It's raising housing prices. People just can't afford to live in this country under Labor. And the uni party, Labor and Liberal, are the same. So their policies, you look at them, Dean, they're almost identical all the way through. So the only way to get a change, the only alternative to the uni party is One Nation. And now, and that's what Pauline forecast, all the other minor parties would fall away, leaving One Nation. And that's what we're, that's what we're, we're, we're here now and we're growing. We've got now um, a member of parliament in five out of the, out of the seven parliaments uh, in, in uh, Queensland, uh, sorry, in, New, in uh, the states and in, in federal, five out of the seven and we're growing. Guys, one plus one plus one used to equal three with Pauline and you two fellas Together, at last, I think it equals 100. I think we're going to see a massive shift. We're going to see a polar shift uh, towards 
what we're looking for, which is one nation with you fellas. Uh, Australia's been doing it tough. This Ponzi scheme that they're propping up through mass immigration, uh, people are waking up to it. People are barely affording their mortgages. People are really looking for a proper alternative. And for those who don't realise how they do it, they do it by increments. Compared 1984 with 2024, we've had that same duopoly in power. People are fed up. The Greens don't even factor in. They're just completely nuts. So, guys, I think you're in a terrific position. And with you all working together now, wow. I, all I can say is wow. I know everyone out there in Radio Land is saying wow. And congratulations. I think this is a terrific move. And I wish uh, Pauline Hanson's One Nation every success. But, I mean, you guys are just going to absolutely nail it. Thank you Thank very much. And, and welcome, Craig. It is so good to, to see your face and to know you're wearing a One Nation badge. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs> right, I've, got that. I've got some uh, orange ties uh, on order sort of thing, so yes. Yep. There you go. I've, I've, I've got to thank, um, I have to thank, you know, uh, the COVID situation because that was how I initially became aware of Craig Kelly. Malcolm and myself met uh, many years ago down at Savillan when I heard him do one of his speeches when he was a, a Senate candidate and I was enamoured to that from that day and have continued to be thank you fellas terrific news congratulations and uh we'll both we'll all talk again soon thank you dean see you craig fantastic see you malcolm thanks guys there, there we have it craig kelly and senator malcolm roberts together at pauline hansen's one nation the dream team has been assembled and i know you are loving it coming up after the break we're going to talk to tony nicolik from afl solicitors right here at tnt De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Scientists are freaking out over how warm the ocean has gotten. They should freak out. You know why? Because it's proof that it cannot be man-made. CO2 back radiation only penetrates the top millimeter or two of the oceans. So what's warming the ocean? Well, if you've been listening and following some of my writings, it appears logical and appears obvious that this has to be natural, specifically geothermally driven. Now, there are some other arguments out there. The solar people say because of the reduction of incoming rays, it could be affecting the cloud cover. However, as a meteorologist, I could tell you why there's less cloud cover over the tropics. If it warms, and it's going to be distorted warming because of what we call the thermal haline circulation, it warms more away from the equator than around the equator. It affects the vertical velocity patterns, which lessen the upward motion over the tropical oceans. And guess what happens? You have less clouds. Now, I'm not going to get into an argument with my solar friends. I will tell you this. Those scientists that are panicking over how warm the ocean is getting should be panicking because it means that they can't possibly be right as to the cause and their gravy train should come to an end. I'd be panicking too. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Here's a bushfire fact. Bushfires can occur without warning. So, if you're travelling during bushfire season, here are three simple steps to remember. 1. Check the fire danger rating before you go. The higher the fire danger rating, the more dangerous the conditions. It may be safer to replan your trip. 2. Think about the area you're going to and what you would do if a fire started. How would you escape the area if you needed to? And where would you go? Check if there's a neighbourhood safer place. 3. It's dangerous to drive through smoke or fire. If you can't find a way to avoid the fire, 
park in a cleared area, face the car towards the fire and turn the engine off. Then lie on the floor and cover yourself to protect yourself from radiant heat. Live bushfire ready. For more helpful tips, visit myfireplan.com.au today. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And welcome back to the program. TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what the others only say that they do. TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do, crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and night. In two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's a critical time and we must now call out the misinformation and the propaganda from the mainstream media and their powerful, and boy, don't they have some massive sponsors, Soros, and we could go on and on. Uh, we are now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to go to the TNTradio.live website, make a small donation if you can, while we seek the right investors to continue our important mission here at TNT. TNT. If you could do that, that would be terrific. And the other thing, if you could spread awareness of TNT, we need more people to tune in and get the message. And especially those on the fence, you know, no point preaching to the choir if we're not bringing new people. And that's what we need to do all the time. Now, somebody who I am immensely aware of, he was a UAP candidate. He is also general manager of AFL solicitors. He's an experienced lawyer and criminologist committed to social justice. He offers pro bono legal work and champion civil and human rights. Tony has expertise in whistleblower protections and he's an all-around terrific fella as well. Tony Nikolic, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Dean. Great to be here. Mate, lots going on. I was just saying quick, quickly off air, you know, uh, Ralph, Ralph Babbitt, who you and I know uh, mm. pretty well from what we did a couple of years back, uh, mate, that uh, he got it up in the Senate 31 to 30, only just, but that's all you have to do uh, when it comes to possibly getting a fair dink, and we can only hope, inquiry into these excess deaths that are becoming far too common. Oh, I think it's a great step forward. I think we've suspected this for a long time. Indeed, um, you know, from the early days, we've been fighting for that. And essentially, you're fighting for those people who can't fight for themselves because an excess death, uh, excess death also implies that that person's obviously with great due respect to them and their families. They can't speak. So someone has to give them a voice. And what Ralph is doing and everyone that has done those cases uh, – previously and expose those statistics. I know we've been doing it for quite some time and, and good on him because, you know, it, it's it's something that a lot of us have been building over the time. And I know Ralph and I've had the experience and uh, know-how of being in and around him and he's a great guy and good on him. He really is. Mate, you know, we're talking about numbers that have gone up and we're, we've all been victims of the COVID era, whether we put our arm out or not, and lots of things up and one of those things is crime rates. And, mate, mm. I, I was not aware of that. It's one thing that I'd never been aware of. But, mate, tell us about the crime rate uh, after the last year, few years of COVID policy. Well, the, the crime rates are going up. But I, I think when we look at the crime rates, and, and especially, you know, I, I did a lot of this in criminology and also worked in the area in numerous police stations in and around New South Wales. But a lot of it, what we're seeing is, you know, that, the police have seen reductions in their manpower. And obviously when you see reductions in manpower, you see general duties and proactives and they're not out on the streets as they were prior to COVID. Um, now I'm not saying that, you know, the, you know, the, 
not taking the jab is the only source of what's happened because there are also other things that go on. But certainly sacking a lot of really good, experienced police officers has contributed to taking police officers off the streets. I think as a community member, we should all be outraged at the fact that we've got a police commissioner who thinks that pulling people off the streets, such as very experienced police officers, some around 30 30 plus years, all the way down to, I know we've we've got a guy, Justin Poor, former NRL player, coached by Wayne Bennett, Brad Arthur and all these guys. He's got glowing, glowing references from a number of people. He can't get a job because he didn't kneel to the jab. We know it doesn't stop transmission. It doesn't confer immunity. It hasn't stopped the hospitalizations and it hasn't stopped the deaths. We know that's the case. It's not a hypothesis we know this why they have given them these disciplinary hearings pursuant to 181d which is really it's akin to getting someone for corruption in the police force and, and that type of misconduct it's not he made it a choice not to get the jab and because of that he's paying the ultimate price and when you get a 181d dan it, it what it actually does is you you're going to be struggling to get a job as a cleaner. You can't go and get a job in security. Anything that needs some sort of a security clearance or police check, or something, they're all going to see this 181D because it's a, a disciplinary thing. But on top of that, assaults are up about 11.2%. Robberies about 18.3%. Break and enters 8.1%. Um, steel motor vehicle up 5%. Stealing from retail stores, 36.1. So not only do we spend money training really good officers to go through the academy, we also losing a lot of money because we're having to recover that through other means because, you know, we've got small retailers who are losing business. We've got people walking the street being bashed for their wallet. Um, we've got breaking in as people losing valuables from their home. And yes, the people out there, especially all around Australia, because it's not just New South Wales, it's every police department around Australia has lost really, really good people. And I speak to them, whether it's in WA, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, NT, they lost their jobs because they made a decision that is a lawful one to say that I don't need to take at the same time, what they've actually said is that you're going to be disciplined for making that decision. And that, to me, is outrageous. We need to get these people back on the streets and we need these commissioners to sit down and have a really good hard look at themselves. And if they can't bring these people out and look after the community, the statistics are telling us that they're making the wrong decisions. Yeah. They've got to get right. these people back. A couple of things, that 36.1% rise in retail crime, wow, um, for starters. And, and not just that, not just uh, is this now cruel and unusual punishment, let's flip it over. These police that can no longer go out there and police could literally lead to people being injured or not, uh, or possibly losing their lives because we don't have enough police. Expand that to paramedics, and we know for a fact we've got ambulance ramping at record levels, let's say South Australia, where we know a guy waited seven or eight hours while there were ambulance ramped up at the hospital, all because ambulance drivers and doctors and nurses can't get back to work in the hospitals. It's not just cruel and unusual to those who made the correct decision and didn't put their arm out. 
Everybody else is paying that price now when you don't have good police, the best police and the best and the, the probably the smartest medical personnel, those who made the right decision back when, when you couldn't prove it one way or another. They just knew they made the right decision. They're the ones we're missing out on. And that in itself is horrific. And it's now leading to loss of life that we can probably prove. And so, I mean, really heads need to roll at this point. Oh, I totally agree. You know, look at look at John Larder, for instance, 25 plus years in the paramedics. He was exposing a lot of this early on. His, his position still hasn't been filled here in New South Wales, down in a small town called Tumut. Now, this is what's happening, Dean, and, and it's, it really is outrageous. These people, are, are the, when I say these people, I'm talking commissioners and politicians, they're going on an ideology. They don't have the science. The science is not supporting them because... If it was supporting them, then all these so-called waves would have stopped four waves ago, okay, if it did work, and it didn't. So the logic just isn't there. They need, my respectful view is, they need to pull their heads in, they need to look after the community and not an ideology, and that's the main thing we need to do because we've also got the fireys, we've got the nurses, we've got doctors. These are all frontline people who are key to keeping a community moving. We rely on them as a community. I I walked into Liverpool Police, uh, sorry, Liverpool Hospital not long ago. It was packed. It was packed. And when I walked down the aisle there, I just seen uh, gurneys of paramedics and paramedics just sitting there in the aisle with people who are sick and IVs and, you know, all sorts of these these OBS machines sticking up because they had no beds, they had nowhere to put them and they're just sitting in the aisle. And, and you've got people out in the waiting room with IVs in their hand. There's something going on and this is why. But let me just say one thing too, if I could, Dean, and I don't mean to do much more other than this, is to say that a lot of elderly people are calling me and they're saying things such as, Tony, I'm trying to get assistance and no one's assisting me. It's like they want us to die, quote, unquote. It's like they want us to die. And I think when you have a look at what's happening, it's maybe because we've got a shortage. Because if you have a look at if I go back to those stats real quick, in 2023, 1,381 police officers resigned, but they've only hired 968 here in New South Wales. What does that tell you? Mate, we're going backwards. And if that's happening in the fireys, the nurses, and everywhere else, and notwithstanding that, they're the experienced ones. We're now retraining new ones, which means we're well behind here, well behind, and the community's paying the price at exponential levels. Yeah, and I, I would argue, I've got no proof of it, but uh, every bit of intuition tells me that you, even those police that have replaced those others, forget the numbers, I would suggest they are not of the quality of those former police officers. In fact, I would guarantee that is the case. Mate, I asked you before, um, you'd have a lot of cases in the work with everything that's going on at the moment with excess deaths, with so many people either experiencing negative health outcomes or knowing someone who has. I would suggest that the longer these cases run, I would both hope and advocate that uh, you'll probably have uh, better better outcomes in the courts as uh, time goes on. Indeed. Now, as we've seen quite recently, yes, as close as yesterday, we've seen the decision of Johnson and Carroll and others. And um, really, I, I thought that was um, a vindication of our very first case of Kassam. Uh, we, we used a common law approach. They used a statutory approach. Again, New South Wales doesn't have that human rights element. Hence, that's why we were driven down that common law path. Um, but in saying so, I, I thought Justice Martin made a very good observation. I think it was at paragraph three, 320 of the decision where, where he pretty well said uh, that the New South Wales court used a common law approach, but it was arguable as to 
the decision they made, they took a very narrow approach to human rights and civil liberties where he took a more expansive role because the statute in Queensland allowed him to do so. But in saying that, it also suggested by the same token that the New South Wales court could have taken a much more broader approach and acted proportionally. Remember, this was a clinical trial, and we know that for a fact, because Greg Hunt, the health minister at the time, said this is the world's largest clinical trial. The effect of the Kassam decision that's now flowed on, and thankfully Justice Martin has come out with this decision that's really vindicated a lot of those people who held the line for all this time. Yeah, mate, there's going to be a lot of flow on from that. It's obviously going to be very advantageous to your particular cause. Um, I noticed um, up in up in Queensland with the uh, police commissioner uh, a very timely um, departure from her role um, not long before that outcome. Uh, coincidence? Uh, not a coincidence. It's it's something that's the writing's been on the wall. I think the writing's on the wall for each and every police commissioner around Australia, including the AFP. I think it's only a matter of time. Um, I think it was a case of uh, you jump or we're going to push. Um, and essentially, if I could use that colloquial saying, um, that's essentially what's happened here. And we're going to see that rolling out because we, we, we're starting to see the public on a daily basis increase its awareness of what's been happening. We're getting people coming to us saying, hey, you know what, I did my duty, but I think I was deceived and misled and I feel broken and I feel broken because I've been lied to by my government. And that's what they're saying. Now, there's nobody better I, I could ask um, from a legal perspective. I mean, here we are, 2024, after something that kicked off early 2020. Did you think that we would be anywhere near where we still are at this stage? Or did you think that there would be a distant memory and you'd just be cleaning up the mess from, from yesteryear? Firstly, I think this is going to go on for a long time. I think here in Australia anyway, there's a reluctance to accept facts and evidence, and that's something that we're looking into right now. Um, in terms, I, I never thought there was going to be a mandate. I thought Section 5123A of the Constitution was sufficient enough to protect the Australian people from this, uh, what I call a, a significant overreach. Unfortunately, uh, it was a case where Many ju judiciary staff and, and tribunals had an opportunity to step in and help, and um, it's not until now that we're starting to see that. But in, say, in saying that, we also need to understand too that as time goes on, we're going to see a lot more of this happen. And um, I just think, for me, I think there's a lot of people who are upset and people actually want to see prosecutions. They don't want to see, I'm sorry, step down, go to another institution. They actually want to see prosecutions. And this is what the feel of is in the street. They're not conspiracy theories. So far, it's like 121 to nil to those who are deemed yeah. conspiracy theorists. <laughs> I, I think I've, I've said it for a long time. Uh, and I don't just talk about myself. I'm talking about people such as yourself almost everybody that's listening and watching TNT. Um, we've trusted our intuition for a long time. That's what, how we all find ourselves here today. It never lets you down, but we just knew. We knew then, we know now that something wasn't quite right. But mate, at what point do the rest of the uh, the people out there wake up and start, instead of calling us conspiracy theorists or whatever, they look at our track record of getting it right and maybe think there's something to these people. You know, they're not prophets, but maybe I should trust my gut. Well, I, I think now we're also starting to see the mainstream media open up. We're starting to see them coming out and we've been waiting on them. And I can tell you this, Dean, is that even through the pandemic, I was 
being called by mainstream media journalists. And I would say to them, hey, you know, we really need you to do something. They said, we're writing the stories. We're giving them to the editors. They're not publishing it. We wow. don't know why. We don't know why. And I've put that into my submission into the Royal Commission terms of reference. Uh, by the way, we'll be appearing down there. I think it's on the 14th or the 13th of March. I can clarify that for you. But we'll certainly be making some submissions. And we also got cases in the coronial court. I've got Stephen Kelly, our lead uh, criminal slash coronial lawyer here. Um, he's doing some great work in that area. And we're getting roadblocks, but they're not going to be there for too much longer. Well, mate, I'll tell you what, anybody listening, if you've had some sort of negative outcome or somebody in your life has and you need some help, there is no one I would go to other than Tony Nicolick. He is the general manager of AFL solicitors, an all-round good bloke, and he doesn't get much more fair income than Tony. Tony, thanks for coming on today. Appreciate you. Take care. Thank you very much. Thank you. We've got uh, Sonia Poulton coming up next. I'll be back tomorrow, and we'll catch you then here at TNT.